Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to another edition of Cowboys Cast. I am your host, Bobby Belt. We take a quick check of the calendar. We can see it has been 2,430 days since Des Bryant definitely caught the ball at Lambeau Field. Coming up today, we are going to be talking with RJ Ochoa, of course, of bloggingtheboys.com fame. Just previewing the season a little bit, uh, talking about the... Zach Martin injury news, which is, of course, devastating to Cowboys fans. It kind of came out of nowhere on Sunday. But today, and uh, as we open up here before we transition over into that conversation with RJ, uh, we need a little bit of a introductory period, a little bit of a get to know you session, I feel like. Uh, I think that most of you listening are probably familiar with this program, a little familiar with me. Um, just because of all the time that I've, you know, spent doing podcasts with RJ since he's been over at blogging the boys. Um, and all the time that RJ and I have done stuff together when he's been on my show, I've been on his and, and such like that. But, uh, for those of you that do not know me, my name is Bobby belt. I am a field producer for the NFL network. Uh, I co-host a podcast with Jane Slater called the boys and girl podcast. Um, which for those of you who are wondering about that being on hiatus, we'll have some announcements for you here soon regarding that. Um, but I first started Cowboys Cast, the show that you're listening to, back in the spring of 2015 as an outlet for all of my cowboy griping or, or my cowboy takes. And initially, I didn't even expect anybody would listen to it. I was just, you know, screaming into the abyss. And, and trying to get it out of my system. Um, but through a, a few fortunate connections, um, one of them being RJ Ochoa, it continued to grow, and we had a lot of success with it, and ultimately it led to a number of great opportunities for me, including the one that I have now with NFL Network. Um, everything can kind of be traced back to me starting that podcast. Well, it's been on hiatus for a couple of years now, and uh, recently RJ and I were talking, and... He really encouraged me to to bring it back around and to do it here with Blogging the Boys. And I got to say, there's really no better place, I think, for Cowboys Cast to live and for Cowboys Cast to make its return than here on Blogging the Boys and on this podcast feed, where there are so many great people and so many great shows and so many great friends of mine and a platform that has the uh, respect and the reputation that this one does it's it's genuinely humbling that they wanted me to come over here and i uh again i really appreciate rj and appreciate all of you and uh i hope we can have some fun conversations this season some fun interviews uh for those of you that 
know me, you know that I am uh, a little bit stats obsessive um, in terms of I like to just find quirky out there stats. Um, and so bring you a lot of those and bring you a lot of different research. And then when the draft comes around, we like to do a lot of things on the draft. And so that's kind of the expectation for what this is going to be. I don't want to spend too much time on that um, because there's obviously a lot to talk about with the Cowboys with their game coming up this Thursday against the Buccaneers and a game that will likely be played without Zach Martin. Um, it's possible he could still play, but it's very unlikely because he does have symptoms uh, with his COVID-19 positive test. Um, you have to be symptom free and have two negative tests 24 hours apart to return. And that we, even if he returned quickly, he'd be on very little time to potentially practice or uh, no practice at all. Um, and so it's going to be a challenge to get Zach Martin out there. Likely you're looking at Connor McGovern. So you're going to be looking at Connor McGovern at right guard, stepping in for Zach Martin, Connor Williams on the left side, Tyler Biotish, who's a bit of an unknown at center. And then you got your two tackles who haven't played football in almost a year, protecting your quarterback who hasn't played football in almost a year. So this is going to be a challenge for the Cowboys on Thursday night. And I'm really excited that I get to talk about it with RJ. And so we're going to roll into that interview now with RJ Ochoa. Joining me now is my personal life hero. Uh, you all know him as the manager of Blogging the Boys. And I only say manager because that's his actual title. Could not come up with anything more clever than that here uh, as a joke or as a bit. Uh, but this is my buddy and it is also now my boss, essentially. Right? You're my boss now, RJ Ochoa. I don't like the implication there. Um I'm very excited that you're part of the blog and the boys family. I feel like, um, I don't know what I feel like. I've, I've a great pop culture references lost on me. Um, I feel like Walt and Mike a little bit, you know, like the, the harmonious part of their relationship. Um, but, uh, I'm very excited that you're here. Cowboys cast remains my all time favorite Dallas Cowboys show. It's the first podcast I was ever a part of myself. Um, I feel like I, we talk about this a lot offline. I feel like people don't, realize how good of friends we are in real life and so it's really exciting to me that a we're still friends after all this time and that we're still podcasting together and that now we're a podcast little family um i i ask this all the time but you remember the subject of our first ever conversation on a recorded space right i do it was the uh darren mcfadden joseph randall debate yeah it um it, it do you want me, me, do, you want me how... do you want me to play the audio i think i have it no, I don't. Uh, no, because I, I, I here, here's what I'll say this. And this is thoroughly. Our, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I probably have because we're very open and honest with each other. As you said, we're we're really good friends offline. In fact, if you want me to edit this out, I can. But I don't think it'll need to be edited out. Um, I believe I got to be one of the first people that knew about baby Ochoa. Correct. Yeah, you did. Um, so and and because you. Um, unknowingly poked and prodded which is the bobby belt way uh i did and, not and, and, you you volunteered it you had tried to no, call no, no, me but, i had missed it you said why haven't yeah. you answered you were gonna just uh, volunteer it so do not make right. it like it's just me no I, you uh you're definitely in the circle of trust and so you were one of the first uh like like i said i mean like we said we go back a long way again i don't think people realize that um i don't know that there's any people to realize that so to speak but um but yeah so we've been there uh for a lot of ups a lot of downs not a lot of downs but some downs that feel like a lot to you and i and um look at us now we're, we're, we're like that paul rudd meme look at us now yeah that is yeah. look at us look at us no yeah. no but to, i don't i don't actually know where that's from to to, it's from hot ones do you not watch hot ones 
No. Oh, it's great. I don't even know what that is. It's great. I'm, uh, we'll talk about that afterwards. Um, but to your point, yeah, we talked about Darren McFadden and Joseph Randall the first time. And I do remember that uh, I had, you, you were making a, a joke that made me cringe at the time. Do you remember mm-hmm. what it was? Um, I think it had to do, so one of us referenced Darren McFadden coming from the then Oakland Raiders and playing in black and silver. I think this was your, was your reference uh, because I was living in San Antonio at the time, a reference to the Spurs. Um, I think that was yours. If, now, it, I, if I had a lamer one, then I apologize. It, it was you talking about um, you were you were waiting in the wings with like a, an engagement ring for Darren McFadden and he hadn't oh, accepted God. your proposal uh. and... Uh, you know, McFadden hadn't taken the job like you wanted him to, and and you were all this. And I was just sitting there a little bit, going like, okay, well, this is not the greatest start to having RJ on. This may be the only time I talk to RJ, and it was not. It was not the only time I talked to RJ. And then here yeah. we are again, bringing it all full circle. And again, uh, thank you to RJ for uh having me on here now and pushing me to do this because you did push me a little bit. I was I was reserved, I think you could say, and not just because well, of blogging the boys, just because of my own. I don't know that I want to start something up again but um here we are content creator is maybe my worst term or my, my like my least favorite term to describe what i do what we do um for livings and so um but with all due respect to that to to make you cringe again you are one of the best ones out there in the dallas cowboy space and so i meant it i mean this is one of my favorite shows it's always been one of my favorite shows i remember how exciting i was when cowboys cast got on the radio like i remember all those victories that we had and so it, it does feel really cool. I feel like we're, you know, actually you and I were Corey and Sean, and now we're in college together. Like that's, you know, that's where we've come. We're here now, a new adventure in life together, the whole world in front of us. It's exciting. Who's Corey? I think I'm Corey. Thank you. Sean's a little cooler, I feel like. And yeah. uh, he had Angela, and I always thought Angela was cuter than Topanga. Do you remember what Sean and Angela agreed was the best movie candy of all time? No, I don't. That was part of the... My wife would remember that. She's obsessed with Boy Meets World. Sean found the purse. Remember that? And it had all these things that he found to be attractive and, you know, illuminating. And he was like, this girl is amazing. And then they would go on to find out that it was Angela's purse. It was snow caps. That's what was in the purse. He was like, this is the greatest movie candy of all time. That is the worst movie candy of all time. I couldn't get on board with the take, but I mean, Sean and Angela had that in common at least. All right. Well, before everybody just tunes out on us for broing out, um, let's actually talk football and talk about this upcoming week. And obviously the biggest story coming up into this Buccaneers game, this will be fun all season. I mean, not fun. It'll be terrible and terrifying, but um, you're just going to have these instances dropped in your lap where it's like, oh, somebody tested positive two days out from the game. They're not going to play. You're going to have some of these Des Bryant-like incidents in Baltimore, which is still one of the saddest things that's ever happened as we were 30 minutes away from a Des revenge game, and then we got the COVID test. And so this is something that's going to be affecting the Cowboys all season long, has already to this point affected them more than it did last year, and seems to be affecting some teams more than it did last year. Um, I guess before we get into the specifics of this game and how Zach Martin is going to be out. Uh, that's what we're referencing here uh, or, or appears likely that he'll be out. It, it's very unlikely that he'll be able to go symptom for you for 48 hours and then have, you know, two negative tests in 24 hours. Um, but I, I guess let's talk first and get this out of the way. The COVID protocols and, and, and the differences that we're already seeing this year, because as we know, with the Delta variant, it doesn't really seem to matter if you're vaccinated or not. You're you're catching it more frequently than you were with previous variants. And so 
some of these protocols, are they a little too lax in your opinion in terms of jeopardizing availability? And do you think that's ultimately why we're seeing this right now is because the, the protocols have been laxed a little bit for the vaccinated players and, and now you're seeing, you know, more transmission. I mean, I suppose, I, I, I suppose the evidence would suggest that that's the case. And to be clear, I think we're both talking about the context of the implications on football, right? Like not, you know, Bobby, and sure, this sure, isn't, yep. you know, uh, NPR or anything like talking no. about the, the merits of, uh, you know, vaccinations versus. God, I hope we don't sound like NPR. Um, but I mean, yeah, like that, like again, the fact that the Cowboys and the Cowboys did a really great job last year, obviously, um, in this realm, but the fact that they're already in a, in a much darker space than they were last year. I mean, again, like the, like from a quantitative standpoint, that's the case, but the Zach Martin thing is like that in and of itself is, is a bigger, more flagrant, you know, situation that they had to deal with all of last year. You mentioned the Dez thing, obviously. Um, and that was, you know, that like really came out of nowhere. That still remains hard to believe to your point. But yeah, man, I mean, it it does. It's extremely concerning. Obviously, the Cowboys are playing the Bucks this week. And last week, Tom Brady did an interview with the Tampa Bay Times. And he mentioned and this this is what really I don't want to say woke me up. Like, obviously, this has been a, a deal. But Tom Brady, of all people, said that he believes that COVID is going to play a larger impact on this NFL season than it did last season. And that's really, you know, concerning when you think about all the games that got postponed last year. The, the Cowboys-Ravens game, in fact, obviously got postponed six days because of COVID protocols. And it got me thinking, I wonder if we do see uh, a situation where the forfeiture comes into play for an NFL team that if they have an outbreak. And that was what I was kind of stunned by. Uh, obviously, Brandon Knight was a close contact to Zach Martin, and we'll see if he's eligible to return for this game. I can't believe that that's now like a legitimate point of worry. But I mean, how was nobody else involved in this? Like, how is it just Zach? That remains a mystery to me. And I think another part, sort of the fallout here is that the Cowboys are now training virtually for this game. Like, that's a huge setback. For, you know, obviously, they've been able to train in person for a majority of this offseason and training camp and preseason and everything. But the last few weeks have involved a number of virtual formats, and that's not ideal going into a really important game. Which is something that those virtual formats is something that Mike McCarthy acknowledged um, they were not good at last year. That was a, a big growing pain for them and something that they weren't necessarily adequately prepared for. Not not that the players themselves weren't accepting the teaching, but that he said the coaching staff had failed to do a good job of preparing the team over that format. So uh, you hope you wouldn't see any sort of a repeat. One more question on protocols for you uh, before we jump into the specifics of this game. Um you, you remember there was the Kendall Hinton incident last year with uh, the Broncos where they ended up having to play their receiver at quarterback because they had no quarterbacks due to the, the COVID issues. Um, it's been suggested, and I think some teams actually do this. I don't know if the Cowboys have come out and said that they are. I don't believe they have. But do you think that the Cowboys should be one of these teams that are practicing this uh, process of you have one quarterback in your quarterback room who has never with the group, essentially, that, that they're always virtual and they're not in these meeting rooms so that they can't be a close contact. Um, do you think that that's something that the Cowboys should be considering? And if they should, should that be Danucci since he's already on the practice squad and it matters a little less and it's just a fail safe? Would you keep Will Greer out of the room? But w what would you think about that approach from the Cowboys to make sure they weren't in a bind where they were playing, you know, a somebody completely different at, at quarterback? Cedric Wilson. Is he, would he be the backup? Would he be the emergency? Um, I know in the past it was year, Blake Bell. 
That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but with him gone, it feels like Cedric would have to be the guy. I mean, Dez could have done it. Cole Beasley could have done it. Gosh, how great um, would that be if they signed Dez the week of just to play quarterback? Yeah. If they had Cole do it, though, we could recycle your incredible video um, from when the Cowboys played the Titans in Amari Cooper's first game when they ran that trick play at the end of the game. You know what I'm talking about? Yep, when you yep. tweeted it out. That was amazing. Michael Gallup. Um, I think Michael Gallup, actually, there's a, a highlight video, and I'll see if I can find it. I think I have it on Twitter. There's a video of Michael Gallup throwing an end-around pass in high school, like 50 yards downfield, and like he threw a dime. He hit, he hit the receiver stride. So maybe it'd be Michael Gallup. You got enough good maybe. receivers. But, but would you consider separating out one of the quarterbacks during the practice week this season? I mean, I think if you're at that point, you know, and I don't, I mean. Is the it the Tom Moore line? If, if 18 goes bit, down. Yeah. Well, but that's like the thing is, too, is like, I mean, OK, so who's like who's the best backup quarterback on the team? Is it Will Greer? Already? I think I think it's Will Greer. But I mean, okay, it, so like, given, you know, fluency with the offense, it's probably rush for now. Right. But OK, so I mean, the fact that Will Greer is even debatable a week after joining the team uh, with, you know, relatively no fluency in the offense suggests how, you know, doomed the Cowboys are a backup quarterback in general, right? Like, you know, this, like, I'm not saying your conversation's a moot point, but like that they are Tom Moore in every sense, you know, and that's their own doing. Like they've made this bed, like they're, they're Tom Moore, even if all quarterbacks are eligible and healthy and you are able to be utilized by them. I don't know what I was saying there. Um, <laughs> but so, I mean, I, I suppose it, it makes sense to do that, I guess is, is ultimately the point, but if I mean, if it's Ben DiNucci, I mean, we saw how that went last year, you know, and, and I feel like somehow he regressed, um, you know, this preseason period and training camp period. And so that went out. You'd, you'd be up a creek in a lot of ways if that were the case. All right. So looking at this specific game and how the COVID protocols play out, obviously, uh, it was so funny watching McCarthy announce the uh, Zach Martin positive test because you remember when Garrett was here. You know, they'd say, is anybody going to miss practice today or anything like that? And then he'd be like, um, some guy, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if you, if I you think, ask, if yeah. you ask me about uh, yeah. guys, uh, I'll know. So that way, if you just forgot to ask, is Zach Martin going to practice, uh, because you weren't expected it, you'd not find out until you got out there that he wasn't there. Um, but McCarthy's was funny because it came on a question about a punter. It came on about Brian anger returning, being signed back. And uh, they'll say, well, you need to make a corresponding roster move, right? And he just goes, uh, no, actually, uh, Zach Martin has COVID. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he's not, he's, we don't have to do anything. And they're like, uh, well, what does that mean? But um, it, it was just funny how it was kind of revealed. Um, my biggest concern is the last time we saw the Buccaneers on the field, we saw what their pass rush could do and how much it can make life hell on an offensive line, particularly one that's not got their starters or, or has some weak spots on it. Um, three Buccaneers players, I think, last year. Uh, let's see here. Devin White, I think Shaquille Barrett, um, and Jason Pierre-Paul. Maybe Domicong Sue, too. I can't remember how many sacks he had. But three, maybe four Buccaneers would have led the Cowboys in sacks last year. So they generate pressure. They get to the quarterback. And you're now looking at an instance where right up the middle of your offensive line, is very dicey. I mean, they, they like Connor McGovern enough to make him a third-round pick. I know there's a lot of people who think highly of him in the personnel department. Um, and so he'll likely be playing at right guard. Um, but uh, it's still not Zach Martin. 
you are clearly not totally confident in Tyler Biotish, or uh, I like to call him Tyler Badass, but uh, you're you're still not totally <laughs> confident. You so much. You're still not totally confident in Tyler Biotish as your center because you tried to move Connor Williams there basically during the preseason out of nowhere. Um, and that always seems like a panic move when you're trying to switch somebody's position in the middle of preseason, especially in a, a COVID year. Um, and then Connor Williams is at left guard, who I think played better last year than people gave him credit for and has developed into a solid player. But again, um, outside of center, you'd probably say your next weakest spot is left guard. Um, and then, of course, you've got your tackles coming back and potentially, you know, Lyle Collins has had the next stinger. He was cleared to practice yesterday. Um, but the tackles have, have missed a long time. Now, they've you're hoping that they'll be good and they'll be healthy. Um, but still a lot of questions on this offensive line, particularly up the gut. And with this being Dak Prescott's first game action in almost a year, missing the preseason, missing the last, you know, 11 games of last year, 10, 11 games of last year, uh, you're really probably going to be testing that ankle on Dak Prescott early and, and testing his mobility first out of the gate. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him on Thursday. Yeah, I think this is the, um, you know, this is a like, Armageddon, the apocalypse, like um, Ragnarok, like whatever you want to call it, um, because you saw the greatest quarterback on earth obviously struggle against this pass rush, right? Like that in literally the last. No, 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 no. Brady won. Oh, good point. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but so Patrick Mahomes struggled, obviously, and so Dak is obviously, you know, I look love Dak, not trying to, you know like inside anything, but not, not the quarterback that Patrick Mahomes is. That's okay. Or it's fine to say that. Um, and coming off injury in his very first game has to go against that pass rush, returning all 11 of its defensive starters, however much stock you put into that without his best. And, you know, for the last, you know, five or six years, most healthy offensive lineman. And so that's super terrifying. Like it's literally the, the most terrifying scenario you could have crafted. Is it not? And so, I mean, the fact that their pinnacle of health on the right side is Lyle Collins right now is terrifying. And I think this look, I it's it's hard to kill the Cowboys for personnel decisions over the offseason uh, because they had so many things to address on the defensive side of the ball and obviously put all their resources over there. But they they really did just kind of make this bet. And my dog agrees, obviously, yeah. that everything on offense was going to be fine. Like it was just going to return. I used to say back when actually you and I first started podcasting, I used to say that they in 2016, when they drafted Zeke, they 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 tried to go right back to the point literally where Des caught it. You know what I mean? Like they they, yes. they literally built their team in that exact way. Like all we have to do is go right back there. We'll pound it in. We'll score that touchdown and we'll add Byron Jones, you know, the, the year earlier to to go stop Aaron Rodgers on defense. And it does kind of feel like they did that in a different way. And they had some cause to do that. Obviously, the, the offense was great. And and people, you know, have, have loved to talk about over the last you know few months like, oh, you know, Dak was going to throw up 7000 yards and all this stuff. It's like this offense was was really great in the statistical sense last year, but it wasn't functional and it wasn't fluid and so I mean I I realized they had to make this bet and, and Micah Parsons is awesome don't get me wrong and I, I know you agree and I know you're super pumped to see him prove a lot of people wrong but the fact that they passed on Rashawn Slater twice is something I've thought a lot about over the last couple of weeks yeah and I my guess is they would have played him at guard anyway I don't know that he would have been a tackle um uh, so I mean he'd be helpful uh, right now though like sure if we're, if sure we're playing, if we're being picky 
Sure. Um, I would guess he would have taken the left guard gig away from Connor Williams. Um, but again, there, there is a lot of deference to veterans that the Cowboys have had over the years. Um, and so it, it could be that this would have been Rashawn Slater stepping in. Um, but I, I mean, to your point, talking about it, they want to go back to just, you know, they, they figured they could just, you know, run it back and get back to that spot where they needed to be with the offense and everything else would be fine there. I also don't think that's any sort of a criticism from you in the right. sense that no matter what you did in the draft, there were so many holes, there were so many issues with this team heading into this season that no matter what you did, there were going to be downsides to it. You, you know, there were it was going to be a bit of a double-edged sword. You're going to load up a ton on defense, and then you ignore potentially areas of your offense that could be key weak points. Uh, but if you went and had drafted you know, uh, Rashawn Slater with that first pick, which would have been a great pick. He's a, he's going to be a great player. He's going to be a stud. But if you would have drafted Rashawn Slater, um, then, I mean, you're very, you're increasing the number of snaps for Jalen Smith for sure. Um, sure. And, and, but that, and, and that like, potentially they, exposes sorry. you to to a lot of trouble. Agreed with you, but not not to cut you off, but then why, and there, I get the why, obviously, but like, why not draft Trey Smith later in the draft, right? Like you mentioned. Uh, Trey, Smith, uh, Trey Smith, who is a, a really talented player, also had blood clots in his lungs. And right. I mean, that, that's I mean, always a scary again, thing. I mean, that's just a scary medical thing for teams, but they are known for the blue star special, so they could have. That's right. I, I get, that's why I, I get the why, right? He, he went in what, the sixth round, right, to Kansas City? Uh, I believe so. So that's what I'm saying. Like if, if, if you're going to, you know, we've seen them have that blue star special. You mentioned Jalen Smith in the second round, like the sixth round is that time. You know what I mean? And so it, this, you know, their guard depth has been bad for a long time. Really? You know, like who's been a good backup guard on, on their team in like Joe Looney. That's um, it. yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of people think, Ron Maga- Leary? I think like we got to go back that far. I think people think, yeah. I mean, Leary being there when, Lyle Collins stepped in. Uh, I think people think McGovern could be. There hasn't been. Uh, we we haven't gotten There's to been see. Nothing. I know we haven't gotten to see a lot of it. I think he did okay at times last year. Uh, but you know, to this point, uh, I heard Jeff Cavanaugh over at one hundred five through the fan talking about this recently. Um, that yeah, it's scary when any one of your linemen goes down here in Dallas. You're like, oh crap, you know. But like, it's it, realistically across the league line. Offensive line depth is so poor, and that's how guys sure. like Terrence Steele start games. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Offensive line depth is so poor that most teams run five deep. If you even like your five, most teams run five deep. The better ones run about six deep and there's not really anybody running seven deep. And, and I think you can say Dallas at least runs close to six deep. Connor McGovern doesn't leave you feeling totally panicked. Obviously, it's a big drop from Zach Martin. But had Connor Williams been the one that was going out, would you feel that much worse if Connor McGovern was in there or do you view them as similar? I is so the question is would I rather Con- Connor Williams be out? Uh, Martin, I, obviously, the obviously, I think you'd want Connor Williams out there at this point. But is Connor McGovern not a significant drop? You don't think from Connor Williams? Yes. Is that the question? Yes. Yeah. 
Okay, okay. Like, so, so, so you do. Obviously, uh, the gap is larger from Zach. Obviously, obviously, and that's just because Zach Martin is Zach Martin. So, but I mean, to to what Jeff had said was, there's very few teams in the league that if any of your offensive linemen go out, you're not sort of panicking. And so, I I don't know how much you can blame that on the cat. Now, now, if you want to put any sort of blame on the Cowboys, it's you know at this point not having looked to get Tyron Smith's you know future replacement sooner sure um, with with his you know when you talk about injury prone players that's where they maybe are a little more liable for it Um, I have a question for you on that front I know this is your show now so you're you're the boss you're actually the boss no this is the RJ Ochoa show the RJO show I've told you I hated that name so much that's really mean um I mentioned this on the the update earlier today, but Tyron Smith said last week, I thought this kind of flew under the radar that he's no longer wearing the neck roll. I like, again, I find that to be significant. He I looks don't, he don't no have, longer wearing the neck roll. And I got to say, at least watching him in media stuff, and maybe this is a, 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 a factor of he is healthier than he's been at any point. So he's happy. He seems more jovial and, and, and yeah, more because well, he was the one who brought up the neck roll thing. And, and he like, kind of was like, yeah, I threw it away. Like he was, he joked about it and was funny and like, you know, smiled, you know, if, and the fact that he did a media session at all with any sign of which is like, rare, joy, he does, yeah. he does about one or two a year, usually one a year where we actually get to talk to him in the locker room during the practice week. But he not only did that one and, and seemed pretty, you know, happy to do it didn't seem you know a lot of times not that he's surly he just he seems like he's ready to get it over with is all um he seemed a little more happier and you got to remember back when lyle was doing his media like tyron just walked up and started pretending to be media and ask him like how you looking so good over there you know what are you doing what's your secret and so i mean he seems in a better spot which i guess could speak to his health um and and just being in a a better place feeling like he's not gonna have to wonder how long he can go this season right but i mean that's that's my highest point of optimism along the offensive line at the moment. I, I mean, I think that goes without saying, but, um, but it's still concerning that, you know, backs, necks, feet, stuff like that with offensive linemen don't generally get better. And right now you're dealing with, you know, a, a longstanding back issue from your left tackle and a, a newfound neck issue with your right tackle. And somebody who, uh, you know, is coming off hip surgery and missed an entire season already. And so, there are questions at your tackle issue, but at your tackle spots. But I think most people feel like if they're out there, they feel better. Um, once the game starts, you're not really thinking about it. You just see Tyron and Lyle, and you'll feel better about it. Whereas that gaping hole, not having Zach Martin there, and then having some of the uh, you know strength that they have with, with the Buccaneers in terms of long their defensive line and, and in some of the pressure they bring. John Ledyard uh, from Twitter, who you and I are both familiar with, had. Uh, posted something yesterday that I thought was interesting. He said, uh, Bucks could obviously shift things around, but worth noting that Vita Vea prominent, uh, predominantly played over the left guard and or center last year. So mm-hmm. that would be Connor Williams and, and Tyler Biotish. Uh, Ledyard says that Zach Martin's replacement, Connor McGovern will likely see more of Ndamukong Sue and Lord willing, uh, Jason Pierre Paul on passing downs a few times. So, you feel more comfortable or less comfortable that Connor McGovern is seeing potentially Jason Pierre-Paul on some blitzes or, you know, 34-year-old Ndamukong Sue as opposed to seeing Vita Vea? Or, or is it just pick your poison? I think it's pick your poison. That's that's how good Tampa is. I mean, you know, that's unideal. Um, and do you, do you I mean, <laughs> think, talk, to that point, talking about, you know, 
Dak hasn't played in a while, and, uh, you know, there are these issues on the offensive line. Do you think, you remember Charles Robinson entering camp and talked about how he had been out there, and uh, one of the senses he got was that McCarthy really wanted to get back to running the football more. Um, do you think this is a game where they potentially go into it with a game plan of, like, let's try and ground and pound it today instead of potentially getting Dak Prescott killed? I hope not. That would be really... I, yeah, I'm not hoping for that either, but do you think that is what their solution ends out being? I mean, maybe. I mean, it, we, they might turtle up, right? Like, that's that's kind of, you know, that's certainly if, you know, it, they. I mean, I, I didn't take this, like, incredibly seriously, but, you know, if, if Kellen Moore started prepping for this game, you know, weeks ahead, granted that that plan was obviously altered with Zach Barn testing positive, but, I mean, just for them to to run the ball... And then, and then for us to have to hear for a week and a half about them establishing the run and all that, like it, it would be really disappointing. And it would be really, I wouldn't say really alarming, but it would be, I mean, really disappointing probably conveys it, right? Just, it would be disappointing that they don't know how to adapt. Like that, that's been the, Mark McCarthy's biggest criticism, right? Like I know you've been harsher on him than I have, which has led to a lot of uh, discussions in our offline chats. Sure. But I mean, like that would, that would be concerning for me. I mean, I, I feel like I've said before, I feel like last year, Last year wasn't a fair shake for anybody, obviously. But I mean, I, I've I've explained my rationale. You've somewhat agreed with it in a vacuum. Um, if he would be unable to adapt like this with like a little bit of anticipation, because obviously they found out he was going to be out on Saturday or suspected he would be out on Saturday. I mean, that would be concerning. But the problem is, and this isn't necessarily even just a McCarthy issue, but they have not been able to play well without Zach Martin, like ever. I know there's right. not like a large sample size there. But I mean, I, to me, the, the only like real game you can look at without Zach Barton, as far as how the team is played, is that Colts game in 2018 when they got blank 22 yep. to nothing. But but I maintain what I what I said then, which was they they were coming off that Philly win, really emotional one. And they had two shots, well, three shots to win the division. So they I think they kind of were playing with house money there. But last year when they, they went to Washington, which was their first game without him, obviously they got destroyed. And I mean, that was a. I mean, you could make an argument which pass rush is more formidable, Tampa or Washington. And so that doesn't bode well. Well, and when we talk about if they do try and, you know, let's go to the run game, let's win this old fashioned, you know, let's let's just try and make it a bit of an ugly game instead of trying to finesse it a little bit. Uh, Do you happen to know what the Buccaneers ranked in rushing yards allowed last year? I would guess first, like first is in allowed the least. Yeah, they were first. Do you know where they ranked rushing touchdowns allowed? first first yeah that's a good job and uh let's see if you can (laughs) knock the third one out of the park uh do you know what they ranked in yards per attempt allowed on the ground first 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 yeah they are the best run defense in the nfl and as you mentioned they're returning all their starters um so we obviously know it's a a terrifying situation to have the offensive line as banged up as it is especially with dak prescott looking for his first real game reps which i think is funny that you know, one of the reasons they talked about they didn't want to put him in the fourth preseason game is, you know, oh, no, that's the that's the young guy's game. Don't want to have him get killed out there. It's like, you know what? It would have been somewhat close to the offensive line he might be playing with here. So uh, it could have helped him get some live game reps in. But um, talking about Mike McCarthy and and where he's at heading into this season and, and some of the adjustments that he failed to make last year. And again, as you mentioned, I'm not as big a McCarthy fan as I don't want to say as some others. I don't know that he's got like a huge fan club here, but. Um, I was not a big fan of the McCarthy hire. It was, I mean, given what they were looking for, I guess he was the best man for the job in terms of they wanted skins on the wall. They wanted a veteran coach, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, I would guess he was their best option. But um, 
Do you think his seat is not, it's not a hot seat, but do you think his seat is at all warm right now? And if it is not, is there anything you, he, you think can happen this year um, that would turn up the heat on his job or, or that would have the Cowboys evaluating him at the end of the season? Or do you think he's, he's going to be, they're viewing this as year one, essentially with all the issues that happened last year and that they're going to let him ride into year three, no matter what. I think it's more of the latter. I think that great. You know, the, the, I think the only thing that that could spur a decision is is a collapse, but a collapse where Dak is healthy, which I guess they were kind of on the verge of before Dak got hurt. Right. I mean, they were, mm-hmm. you know, um, entering that Giants game one and three. And so, I mean, it, it would take a collapse, but I think it would take hearing more reports like the one that came out a week after that, you know, the turmoil in the locker room, people aren't buying in, you know, like I, I, I it would have to be something of that ilk to me. I think if they were just bad, like, I don't think they'll be bad. And I I think you agree with that. Like, I don't know that either of us, like, you know, in all seriousness, believe that the Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl. Although you did pick them to win the Super Bowl last year, despite the head coach being someone you weren't a fan of. Um, But to be fair, why did I say that? Dak Prescott, the team. Or did I pick them last year? I think I think they picked them. I picked them 2019. I don't think I picked them last year. Well, I, I vividly remember. I did did, did say they would be better last year because of like the Wade Phillips effect. Wade right. Phillips is not necessarily a great head coach, but it was a just a reset. It was a refresher. And the, and the fact and that the they didn't even get right. that. Yeah, the fact that they didn't even get that bump was concerning. Well, and they had like last year coming off 2019, they had the the regression to the mean as far as like one possession game losses. You know what I mean? Like they, they were in this these really, really weird extremes in 2019. So, I mean, all that made sense. But so I either way, I don't think whether you believe or, or last year believe they were going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think either of us think they're going to win four or five games like this is a the floor of this team is like eight, nine Seven and ten, right? You agree with that? I assume. And um, so, yeah, I, I like wouldn't even say so. if they are healthy. If they don't like, if they're relatively healthy, like we're talking, they don't lose their quarterback for an entire season, or they're without Tyron for ten games or something like that. If they're re- <clears throat> if they are relatively healthy, then I think that their floor is eight and nine, probably. But I yeah, also, because- but, but I also think that their their ceiling right now to me is. 10 and seven. I don't know that there's a lot of variance for me if they're healthy. I did a prediction on the YouTube channel. Um, I went through every game and I had them going 11 and six. And, and so, I mean, because the quarterbacks, they play are so bad. Like the, they play three good quarterbacks this year and two of them are in the first two weeks. The other one is obviously Mahomes. I mean, you, maybe you want to put Matt Ryan in that discussion to be a fourth, but like ultimately, I mean, and maybe Kyler Murray, um, you know, if you believe him to be somewhat good, whatever. But my, like generally speaking, they're playing either bad or sort of bad or rookie quarterbacks this year. And so like, I do think that will inflate the defense. I do think, you know, in March, we'll be having a conversation like, man, Dan Quinn really turned this around and maybe he gets some head coaching looks and it's like, well, they played some really bad teams. You know what I mean? And that's fine. Like you can only play the teams on your schedule, whatever, but I, to, Back to the McCarthy point, it would take an utter collapse in my mind for for the team to move on from him. Um, and, but, and but don't don't you feel uh, like their seal their floor being as high as it is just with Dak being back and everything else like that? Like it, it's tough to envision that happening at all. Like I mean, that's what I feel right. is is a little bit like I feel like I feel like they won't make the necessary assessment that that is their floor. Does that make sense that that if they hit eight and seven, I don't think they'd understand that's your floor and you're at your floor right now with this coaching staff two years in a row. 
Right. Like if the Jets hit eight and seven or eight and nine, um, I don't know how you got to eight and seven. That was embarrassing. But, uh, yeah, um, the eight and nine. Sorry. If, if, I'm, I'm reversing it in my, I'm thinking nine right. and eight. It's all messed up. Go ahead. If, if the Jets hit that mark, that's like a man, what a great season or the Lions, right? You know what I mean? Or even the Eagles, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow, we really, you know, this is a building year, whatever. I agree with you that they would be like, no, this, you know, whatever. And I mean, there are unique contextual factors right like is COVID a factor right like does does Zach Martin miss more games does somebody else miss more games right because then that's kind of part of why you know I think we both believe McCarthy's leash didn't really see an impact last year Um, how do they lose games are they losing or winning games like off the watermelon kick off these like you know ridiculous moments or are they blowing people out whatever Um, the other contextual factor and I think you would agree with this um, although obviously his contractual situation is whatever but like if Sean Payton were readily available I think that that would affect if if McCarthy was enough of a disaster, like those two factors combined could be the, like a catalytic, you know, sort of connection that lead to McCarthy's ousting. But I just I I mean, I think it would be irresponsible too. I mean, to, to move on from McCarthy in some sense. And I, I'm not saying you don't do it because, you know, you're afraid of change or something like that. But, you know, this offense is going to look really different next year, right? Like uh, Michael Gallup's probably going to be gone or, or rather one of Michael Gallup or Amari Cooper gonna, probably going to be gone. You know, who knows what the offensive line looks like from a depth standpoint. Is Dalton Schultz gone? Is Blake Jarwin still tied in one? Like the offense is going to look really different. I know Kellen Moore's obviously got his three-year deal, but I mean, you, you can't, you, you know, you're, I hate the term window and win now, but like they are kind of in that space. Yeah, and I think that my uh, to your and not that you're saying this because you just made the point. You said you know um, it'd be you don't want to necessarily bail on McCarthy too soon because look you know it's a panic or or you'd be doing yourself more harm. But there's also that argument that and I'm going to butcher this idiom, but it's you know it's something about you know don't continue making a mistake just because you spent a long time making it. Um, Is that a thing? Are you making it up? No, no, that's a saying. It's something like that. I'll look it up when you start (laughs) talking next and I'll get it straight, but it's something to that effect. Um, But I think that's the thing is that the Cowboys spent a long time with Jason Garrett. And when they finally freed themselves up, they essentially did one interview. They did two, but I think everybody knows the Marvin Marvin Lewis interview is a joke. Um, the, they essentially did one interview. They let them say they, you know, hung around for basically 14 years because Jason Garrett was the head coach and waiting when they hired him as offensive coordinator, they basically hung around 14 years to hire the first guy they talked to and who they let talk to other teams, by the way, like that remains the most unbelievable thing to me that they let him interview with Cleveland and Carolina, but whatever. And, and, you know, Cleveland and Carolina were happy to, you know, have him go off and interview other candidates and Cleveland ultimately hired a guy in Kevin Stefanski who uh, really, really made a difference for them last year. Right. And as much as I know, you're, you're not the biggest Ron Rivera fan. Ron Rivera made a difference last year for Washington. Would you dispute that? No, I will say, and I think this point's important, huge Ron Rivera, the person fan. I, I think that goes without sure, saying. Sure. Sure. You just don't think he, you don't think he's a, you don't think he's an elite coach necessarily. No, I think um, I'm going to butcher this too, uh, but I've written about this before. But um, Ron Rivera has won, I believe, four division titles as a head coach in the NFL, obviously three with Carolina. And I believe that at least since the merger, or maybe not, no, definitely like way back. But I think, I don't know, of the last like four teams to win a division with a sub-500 record, Ron Rivera is two of them. 
And so like, that's, I mean, like, I'm not trying to take anything away from Rivera really, but like that is an inordinate amount of luck. You know what I mean? That he would win not just one, but two different divisions. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just even the same division, right. two different divisions of the sub 500 record. Like, Again, all respect in the world to Ron Rivera for persevering through last you year. You don't need to on couch it. You think he's terrible. Well, but Just specifically off the field. But like, I mean, they they barely and like people could, act could, like could, could, this. You, could you make an argument that Ron Rivera being would you? And we've had these discussions offline before. There's a, the types of coaches there are out there. There are coaches that ex, you know excel at uh, culture and at uh, ego juggling. Then there are others who are X's and O's coaches and. You know, others who are uh, just, you know, game plan coaches right. and chess masters or whatever. Would you agree that Ron Rivera is the uh, is more of the culture coach, more of the um, chemistry coach and that this team last year could have used that more than Mike McCarthy and that potentially this team this year could use a chemistry coach more? Maybe. I mean, you can make the argument, certainly, but I don't think that. I think the culture in Washington is and Dan Quinn will fix a lot of that. I think Dan Quinn is a culture coach, right? I agree with that hundred percent, but my point with Andre is I don't think the culture, like the culture wasn't good for even a win last year. Like I think the culture is certainly better, but again, the bar was very low with that franchise specifically, but looking at their wins last year, and I don't want to turn this into a Ron Rivera discussion, but they beat Philly week one. That was a really impressive win. Although we would go on obviously to learn that Philly was its own dumpster fire. They lost five in a row. And then they beat the Cowboys in that first game without Zach Martin. And, you know, they just beat him. But, I mean, it wasn't exactly a fair game for the Cowboys, obviously. I think you would agree with that. Their next win was against the Bengals when they knocked out Joe Burrow. Their next win was against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, which, I mean, it goes without saying, presented, you know, unconquerable challenges for the Cowboys organization specifically. Then they beat Pittsburgh. And everybody made a big old deal about that. But I also think you agree. Pittsburgh was really, you know, taking on water at that point in the season. Sure. Like they, they were, they were really a shell of themselves from early in the year. Then they beat the 49ers with Nick Mullins. You know what I mean? And then they beat the game that Doug Peterson threw. And they still only had one more win than Mike McCarthy's Cowboys. So I'm not trying to turn this into wins and whatever, but like, you know, just, Take okay. it you, will. you hate Ron Rivera. Um, by the way, the quote is don't cling to a mistake just because you spent a lot of time making it. But it is a quote. Mm. Um, sounds like a, like something you would sign in somebody's high school yearbook. or something. <laughs> All right. Just before we uh, finish up here, just on a macro uh, season outlook um, sort of thing. Uh, just a couple questions for you here. Um, Dak Prescott, do you think there's any questions at the end of this year about his health or about if they made the right decision in paying him? No, I mean, I think Dak, I don't think he throws for even 5,000 yards because I don't think the Cowboys want to play that kind of football. And I think the defense is better. Yeah, and I who think, wants to do that? Who wants to well, have fun? I, I also think, and I know you know this, but and I know I've said this before here on the network, but since we're having the discussion, through the first seven games of the season last year, the Cowboys offense began two possessions beyond the 50-yard line. The, the first was after a Cheetah Bay was the interception against the Rams. The other was after the watermelon kick. And so like there will be a dip in Dak Prescott's statistical production, because I think the defense will force more three and outs or maybe not three and outs, but punts, you know, earlier in possessions or turnovers or whatever. And so instead of having to go 
76, 79, 82 yards every possession, maybe the Cowboys only have to go 42 yards, 51 yards, whatever the case may be. So I do think that a month from now, now that we're in the regular season, people will be like, man, last year, Dak was averaging 300 whatever yards per game. He's only averaging 279. Cowboys are real stupid for paying him. I don't think that's the case. Like, I think the context is important, uh, but I, I think he will be amazing. I think he certainly wins comeback player of the year. I don't know if you've read this already, but in Peter King's Football Morning in America, he picked Derwin James to win comeback player of the year. over. Dallas. I don't think that's a bad choice though derwin james is a stud i mean it just depends um is this going to be considered a balance obviously you say that he's probably going to get more touches and everything like that but do you think at the end of this year we'll be looking at this was a bounce back year for ezekiel elliott or do you think people are going to be still questioning if he's in decline yeah i think he bounces back i mean he you know, last year was really tough. And I mean, the effects of COVID on Zeke specifically are certainly, you know, I don't say up for debate, but up for debate as far as being a legitimate factor. And so, yeah, I mean, I think he has a thousand yards, right? And I think that, you know, especially over 17 games. And so I think people will be like, oh yeah, he was, he was great, you know, whatever. And I, I think the run game as a whole is probably better for the Cowboys just because the quarterback play will be much better. Uh, the Cowboys, uh, by the end of this season, uh, is Micah Parsons going to be hands down, obviously in the minds of everyone, their best player on defense? No doubt, no doubt. Better I don't than know Demarcus Lawrence. Per- yeah, better I mean, than Trayvon think, Diggs. If Trayvon yeah, Diggs think, gets like six picks, I think. I think right now uh, we did this on one of the live shows. Um, I don't mean to just like plug everything, but we didn't. We, we asked this question on one of the live shows. Um, if and so I'll ask you: if you had to power rank the top three players on the defense right now, who would they be? Um. Obviously, we have questions about, you know, if Van Der Esch can bounce back or not. So I'd say Lawrence. Um, Man, it's tough. There's so much unknown behind Lawrence. Lawrence, Parsons. Uh, you hope Diggs, but I mean, he does have to step up more. He got picked on last year. Uh, I'll say Lawrence, Parsons, and Gregory. That was the debate. Literally the exact same debate that everybody had. And you were watching, don't lie. Um, so you basically stole everybody's I watched answers. them all. It was... It was. Uh, That's it was all tank. this show is. This show is just going to be recycling other content from you guys. It, it was Tank, Micah, Trayvon, and but a lot of people thought Randy was eligible for that third nominee, um, and so I think to that point, Micah's already the second best player on this defense. I think he's certainly going to be the best player when it's all over. And I, I was going to say I don't know who first made this comp. The first person I saw make it was John Mashota from the Athletic, our friend. Um, I think he's CD Lamb. Like, like I, I didn't really see that until a little bit later in the process this year. Like it was really obvious that CD was like, holy crap, the alpha has arrived for the Cowboys offense. And like, it took me a little bit longer to get here with Micah. And so I think he unquestionably, I think he probably wins defensive player of the year or defensive rookie of the year over. And I think second is Patrick Sertan, which is a really, you know, interesting kind of what if conversation to have in March. Um, Is this the last year Michael Gallup plays for the Cowboys? Probably. Um, which is well, what would you super, put the odds at? Eighty-five percent. Although, I mean, like, I I don't think that they're creative you think, enough. You don't, is, you don't think we it, get a T will team friendly return deal? I don't think that. No, I I think the only way he returns is if they cut Amari. And I I know it's not the most creative maneuver in the world to cut Amari. Like, let's just cut him and and eat the six million dollars. But I don't think they're creative enough or bold enough to do that. You know what I mean? And to sign Gallup, I think that. Right now, I would assume that that is probably the more logical step to take. But Amari is so 
freaking good. I mean, and it feels like we forget that. And then he reminds us. And so, yeah, I mean, um, I, I think there's a, a, again, we referenced Jeff Kavanaugh earlier. I heard Kavanaugh saying that, you know, he was feeling pretty confident that CD lamb by the end of this year would be the best receiver on the team. And then he said, you know, you just, you see some of the stuff like Amari can do out at camp and you get reminded and you're like, oh yeah, there's a, you forget how good he is. Not that it's a ding on CD, but it's just, you forget how damn good Amari Cooper is and how he's a true number one receiver. And so it's like, okay, maybe not as confident that CD's going to be the best receiver on the team, but not a ding on CD. Just that's how good Amari is. Right. And I mean, they're assuming he's that guy or close to that guy. It, it will be hard to justify cutting him. You know, outside of Gallup having, you know, I know he was on pace to, to you know, be really impressive last year, but outside of him having, you know, this amazing season in and of his own right, but um, not a spoiler alert, but I'll say, you know, on the Michael Gallup conversation, maybe be looking out on the Blog on the Boys podcast network or Blog on the Boys YouTube channel for a Michael Gallup conversation. I don't know, Ooh. tomorrow, Wednesday, something like that. If you like Michael Gallup and Blog on the Boys, just pay attention. That's all I'm saying. Which you, assuming that, you know, you're you're listening to this, you would like both. Right. So that would be the hope. Um, my favorite dubious statistic heading into the season that for those of you who are listening for the first time and have not heard this uh, is that the Cowboys have lost 17 straight games when they've scored fewer than 30 points. That's 16 regular season games and a, a playoff game. Um, they're the only team in the NFL the last two seasons that uh, hasn't won a game scoring fewer than 30 points. Um, so does that streak come to an end this year? Yeah, I think so. But not necessarily because like they're great and really rectified the wrong, but because they play some some trash teams, right? Like, you know, like, I mean, they get to play Daniel Jones twice and an offensive line that's in worse shape than Dallas. They get to play, you know, their two Washington games are late in the year. You know what I mean? And I don't believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick in December. Um, they get to play Sam Darnold, right? They get to play Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke. They get to play Jameis or maybe it's Taysom Hill. Like one of those games is an opportunity for that to fall. All right, and then finally, uh, what's your record prediction for this year? I said it already, so you clearly weren't listening, but 11-6. and six, um, No, I and heard I think you, that, but I mean, I'm just resetting. I think they win the division. I had a list of questions I had to get through. Right. Uh, I've said this also multiple places, but I actually would love to hear your response because I don't know if I've told you specifically. I think it would be poetic, and not just from like a Cowboys slant, but it would be poetic if Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Green Bay Packer was a playoff loss in the divisional round against the Cowboys, the team who he's tormented in the very same round, but at their house, and therefore this one happening at Lambeau Field, a divisional round playoff loss to the team he's tormented in the Dallas Cowboys, led by the head coach who he ousted in Mike McCarthy. Which so I think it's enough. Which would have been more poetic, though, that or had the Packers and Saints actually opened the season in AT&T Stadium, and then the first time the Packers lose in AT&T Stadium is to Sean Payton coaching the Saints, which would have been more poetic. Oh... My thing is more poetic. Your thing is more funny. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I, I think I'll, I'll marginally disagree with you. I think Dallas ultimately goes nine and eight is where I'll put them. Um, and I think that they, they've got a little bit of room to potentially be a little bit better than that and win the division. But I will say that I think whatever happens here, I think week, week 16, day after Christmas at AT&T Stadium against Washington, I think the division tilts that day. Whoever wins that game, I think ultimately wins the division. Um, I mean, I agree. That's not like a bold, like, do you think that's a bold take? No, I mean, I think there's just, there's two weeks after that. I'm saying I think that that'll ultimately be the death knell for whoever, whoever loses that. I think it'll be that close. I'm not saying it's a hot take. I'm just saying I think that'll be the game where we, 
we know heading into the final two weeks who's going to do it. And right. it is also, interesting. It is interesting that they don't get Washington at all until December. And I don't know if you know this. Washington's final five games are against the NFC East, and in a four-week stretch, they play Philly, Dallas, Philly, Dallas, which is super stupid. Dallas's final five games are against the old school NFC East. I know because they got the Cardinals. So, yeah, that's good. I have one question for you to wrap up. Okay, um, pretend that you were a cornerback drafted into the NFL. Um, if you were playing your friend, me in Madden, and I picked you off with you, like you, the corner, would you let me score or would you tackle me? Because if you let me score, you get to see yourself score a touchdown. Okay. So this is RJ doing a bit (laughs) because this was actually a, I think I heard you ask Kayvon Frazier this question first. That was the first person. Yeah. You heard, you asked this question to Kayvon Frazier and I loved it so much that every year I interview and you'll hear them here uh you know heading into the spring but every year i interview draft prospects it's one of my one of my favorite things is the nfl draft and (laughs) getting to know some of these players and so i liked that question so much and i don't know why you're mocking your own question no it's like i I like that question so much (laughs) that i i thought it was a great question to ask young players coming to the league and they have so much fun with it and they'll they'll like a lot of them talk about nah i'm too competitive i'm I'm not going to do it. My Caleb on chase on cracked me up. He was like, you know, Oh no, he's getting some shine. He's getting 10 sacks. Like I'm not even blocking him. I'm putting a tight end out there. <laughs> like, like he's no, it, it's all about me. It's uh, it was just, I mean, it's funny. And so some of them will give you some funny answers. Um, but to your point, if I was doing it, if I was actually a cornerback and I picked me off, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's a digital me. I can't get over it. Like I get really aggressive playing video games. I'm like the old throw the controller guy. And so I would probably um, try to tackle me. And if I scored, I'd probably throw the controller and say, this game is dumb. Then I'd turn it off. To be clear, I was not mocking. I I was ending on a nice, I mentioned Corey and Sean earlier, a nice JD Turk moment. You know, like that's a really, that's an important. You also, you also mentioned, you also mentioned Walt and Mike. Which, which one of us is Walt? Oh, that was bad. That was, I I know which one of us is Walt. I think you're Walt. So I kill uh, you're, you. You're more ambitious. Spoiler alert. Sorry. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad yet, sorry. But I mean. Yeah. Um, so you're I definitely Walt. Kill you. um, if, so I've answered who's Corey, who's Sean, who's Walt, who's Mike. You answer who's JD, who's Turk. So you're going to cut that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right. All right. All right. All right. I can't, uh, I can't include the answer I just gave. I think realistically, uh, I think you're a tad more quirky than I am. Like, like, and so I think that you're probably a little more JD because JD's a little more quirky than Turk. Yeah. You're a little bit more surgical too in, in like overall approach to everything. So like it does kind of jive there. Um, so that makes me happy. It makes me happy that you're here. Like the, the sun is brighter. Although actually it's not like fall is arriving. This, this is, I, last thing I'll say, really struggling with our metaphors today. I, I say this all the time on the live shows. This is the best time of year. And I'm so grateful to anyone who chooses to listen or watch or read or interact while we were recording. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Coach Hudson, who tweeted that uh, he's so excited that Cowboys cast is returning and that is one of the first Cowboys podcasts he ever listened to. And so, like, that just makes me so happy that we're all friends and family and we get to experience all this together. Um, However exciting or sad or exhilarating or depressing it is. Um, every Monday Cowboys cast will be here to lift you through that. And that just, that makes me happy. And uh, I got to say, this is, this, this is like the first time I've ever done one of these projects, um, which Cowboys cast has bounced around a couple places. I've done a couple other podcasts. I do with Jane Slater. Um, but 
this is the first time I think that I've been like on a team, like a, a podcast team where there's like multiple ones on the channel and mm-hmm. uh it is it is cool like i get to i get to see like i get all my buddies on the channel and a lot of like really talented folks and uh you know i don't want to like name like each person and then like i'll end up forgetting but i mean obviously i do have a couple friends here roy white kelsey charles uh you know meg murray rj ochoa um a lot of good people on this channel um a lot of people that you know, I'm really excited to hear them continue to grow that you guys have found and, and picked out. Um, I mean, you and I were talking about it the other day. I don't, I don't want to give this guy a big head. Should I say his name? That I, I think he's talented and I, I think he's growing. Sturch is really good, I think. Yeah, and, Sturch and, is awesome. And um, uh, But I don't want to give that guy a big head. He's already from Jersey and, like, you know, they, they already think highly enough of themselves as it is. Yeah, well, I mean, they're great. They're now our official pregame show here at Blogging the Boys. And that's, you know, to go back to the team thing, there's a new podcast that drops every day outside of the daily updates. Like this, I mean, I hate the phrase like one-stop shop, but I I would challenge you. This is your one-stop shop. Right. I would challenge you to find another Cowboys podcast network that you can go to and get daily updates with all the information that you need and incredible shows with great hosts, great talent, great analogies. Um, and, uh, um, wow, shots you know, fired at dallascowboys.com. Goodness. Uh, no, they're great. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, obviously you're, you're, you're talking about outside the, the team affiliation. I'm, I'm talking about just, you know, the internet, you know, the internet's a big space. It's the wild west. And so, um, I'm happy. I'm just happy. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm happy and I'm happy you're here and I'm happy it's football season. And I, well, we're, um, we're, we're all happy until Friday morning when the ooh. offensive line falls apart. And uh, that's the other thing you guys will learn about me if you're new to this, uh, new to, to my perspective, is uh, I, I rain on parades. I'm a negative Nancy, and uh, you can expect mm. a lot of that. Barbara Streisand saying, don't rain on my parade, so make sure you don't do that. Good reference. You had a lot of good references today. Well, uh, RJ Ochoa, uh, you, of course, can follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa and on uh, all other mediums and, and such. And uh, excited that we're partnering up. I love you, RJ. Odoyo rules. All right, guys. So as we finish up here, what did we learn today? We learned that Zach Martin is likely out for the game against the Buccaneers, that it'll be Connor McGovern stepping in there, and that everybody is just going to be praying really hard on Thursday night that they can protect Dak Prescott. Uh, we learned that Sean and Angela from Boy Meets World, that their favorite movie candy was Snowcaps, as RJ illuminated us to that. Uh, which Snowcaps is a terrible candy. And if you're not familiar with it, it's a chocolate chip with little sugar droppings on it. It is just, you know, diabetes in your hand. Uh, and we also learned that RJ hates Ron Rivera for no reason. Um, I think you all heard it pretty clearly that uh, it, it's really personal for him for some reason. And, and he's just not a big fan. All right. Uh, Cowboys and Buccaneers coming up this Thursday. As for a prediction, I will say that ultimately the Cowboys dropped this opener to the Buccaneers. Uh, I don't think it'll be a high-scoring affair necessarily, but it'll be tough on the Cowboys on the de- on the offensive side of the ball, I think, to protect Dak Prescott. Um, and ultimately, I think the defense still has a lot of things they need to overcome this season before they can be real contenders. And so I'll take the Buccaneers in this game 24-17. to All right, we'll talk to you guys again next week.